The show that doesn't grab them by the but does occasionally kick them in the ball. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome to another fine edition of my program. And today, we've got a lot of ground to cover as we talk about Wisconsin with our Midwest correspondent, neo-Nazis, Fox News, Trump, and believe it or not, those are all separate stories. Plus, a little bit about the Me Too movement and uh, television being a little wokish. Uh, before we get to that, first, brief introductions are in line. I am, of course, your host, a critical thinker, problem solver, and a guy that all of a sudden just has to burp. Excuse me. Uh, my name is Shaggy Jenkins, and I can be found on my website, shaggyjenkins.com, or on the Pacifica Radio Network on Spotify and Stitcher. Just look for The Shaggy Jenkins Show. You can support us by going to our Patreon. Just look for Shaggy Jenkins Show there as well. And wherever fine social media is served, look for me at Shaggy Live. He is host of his own Pacifica radio program, also notorious podcaster, writer, director, and Midwest correspondent. Please welcome Ron Pertee. To be the man, you have to be... No, that's not it. Uh, I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever... No, that's not it either. Oh, hi. <laughs> there, there there we go. Ron, we have got a very interesting story to start off today, and it comes from your neck of the woods. Please, please tell me it's not true what I'm hearing about the GOP and what they're trying to do in their lame duck session before this sweeping uh, Democratic governor and, and, and new people come in. Uh, basically, what they're doing is they're they're passing uh, every kind of law they can to make sure that Tony Evers, who is the governor-elect of my fine state of Wisconsin, uh, is a one-term governor, and he gets n- absolutely nothing done. Um, but here's what I hope. I hope he survives. And I know that we all want to be equal, and we want everything to be even and equal, but I hope against hope that when he gets sworn in that they just start gerrymandering Wisconsin to no end uh, uh, pro-Democrat because the GOP in this state has done absolutely nothing but uh, uh, make things worse. Yeah, well, just remember that this this hearing that they had on Monday had to do with, one, moving the presidential primary, and this is all in an effort to help the Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, one of the justices, it restrict early voting in a way that the federal courts have already said, Wisconsin, you can't do that. And in a most weird telling way of what the GOP wants to do, they're trying to give the GOP-controlled legislator of the state power to supersede and sidestep the attorney general, that's going to be Josh Call, uh, he's right now the Democratic attorney general-elect, they can sidestep him and get away from him in all their legal matters so that they can basically rule the government instead of the attorney general, the new governor, and the Democrats coming into office. Now, it also gives Scott Walker one more chance to kind of gerrymander everything that, that, that he can and stack it in the Republicans' favor. But that's already been law, uh, kind of ruled against. So, Ron, here's the thing. You're from there. What are people's reactions to this? 
Well, and that's the thing. I think it's a lot of it's flying under the radar, even though there is, you know, reports about it because uh, Walker is still trying in vain to fly this Foxconn flag, you know, um, uh, saying that, oh, look what I did. I brought Foxconn in. Yeah, but here's the thing. And I have this argument with with uh, Republican friends all the time. They say it's going to bring jobs. It's going to bring jobs. So it's going to bring, uh, I, what was it, 15,000? I'm, I'm probably wrong here. Uh, but they said like 30,000 jobs over 30 years or something like that. But, but it's over 30 years. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's all well and good. How does that help us now? Also, second question. Hold on. Put down your Republican stuff for just a second. But how many of those people are actually going to be from Racine, which is where Foxconn is. Okay, how many people are going to be here from Racine getting jobs at Foxconn working in the factory to us to put all this electrical stuff together when you have to have an engineering degree? Okay, or, or and how many people are going to be bussed in to fill these jobs? Exactly. And what kind of an impact is it going to have on a town that really wasn't designed for infrastructure of this size? Now, oh, I'll tell you right now how how it's going to affect it. I'm living I'm living it right now. We had for some odd reason they decided to basically fix every single main road in town at one time. All of them. Okay. Basically, we have a highway 31 that kind of leads from um, the north side of town to the south side of town. It's a straight shot. Takes you down your boom. Uh, it has been tore up for since the beginning of spring and they said it would be done by December 22nd. It's nowhere near being done by December 22nd. Uh, but the reason why they haven't been working on it is because everybody had to go to Foxconn and work on Foxconn. Now, did you hear the, the joyous thing about how they got a lot of the land for Foxconn? No, they took people's homes that were just fine. Nothing wrong with them. And they said, oh, the, the land is blighted. Oh, they used condemnation and eminent domain to seize yes. the land. Exactly. It's just so the, the Chinese can come and build a company and, uh, uh, you know, just kind of basically ruin our town. We already stopped, them from stopped our, our government from putting an arena up for teams that would never come. And now we have to... It's like it's like a Chinese invasion that we just opened the door for. And, of course, Dum Dum was there to shovel dirt. Yeah, now, now the thing is, too, is like, look, Dum Dum there is trying to, as you call him, Walker is actually trying with this measure to also move an election from April to March, which will basically mean lower voter turnout in this election for a Supreme Court Justice Dan Kelly, who got appointed by Walker. Now... When he moved the Kelly's date to a separate day, Republicans are also kind of looking at this as a giving him a better chance of surviving. And and here's the thing. Out of the 72 counties across Wisconsin, 60 said that they cannot accommodate this extra election date, meaning <laughs> the date that they pick will probably be the lowest common denominator of voter turnout that always benefits Republicans. It does seem... When you think about Scott Walker, as much as you call him dumb dumb, they are very sophisticated in trying to stack the deck. 
Oh, no, no. Scott Walker's not dumb, dumb. He's Scooter. I'm talking about the dumb, dumb in Washington. He showed up. Oh, yeah. Let's not forget that Wisconsin overwhelmingly went with him. Uh, I don't know why. Well, this is the thing. If all of this stuff from Wisconsin sounds kind of nefarious, let's not forget that I can't, as a person, pick on Ron in Wisconsin and say, oh, look at how dumb you guys, because my home state of North Carolina is the other state that has tried to do the exact same thing. And remember, when their Republican governor, Pat McCrory, got voted out, there was this huge, in the state house, huge power grab by the GOP that resulted in a federal, <laughs> a federal hearing that said, your voting districts are surgically precision against the African-American community. You have gerrymandered to the nth degree, and we called you on it. And those states, Wisconsin and North Carolina, right now, are kind of having this weird dynamic shift, aren't they? Yeah, and it's getting really, really, really bad. Uh, I, I just don't... I don't know how somebody can't step in and stop them from doing this. Mm, no, I know. No, no. But here's the thing. As bad as that story is, I want to move on to another story. Dealing with a subject that I put out on social media uh, yesterday, and I had said that there was a brochure that had came out in German schools talking to parents and to young students of what to do when you encounter somebody with far, far right racist, misogynistic, sexist, political views. Neo-Nazis are a problem again in Germany. Nazis are. And here in America, neo-Nazis are a growing kind of, well, group that we end up talking about a lot, especially when it comes to people like Donald Trump and other far-right conservatives and their links to these groups. Well, now... There's this one neo-Nazi who goes by the alias of Norman Spear, launched this project online to kind of unify everybody that believes in nationalism, fascism is another word for it, and wants to prepare soldiers for the oncoming and forthcomingly predicted race war. Ron, let's talk a little bit about this thing called the base. What do you know about it? Uh, not a whole lot, but I think I, I, you'd, you'd have to you'd have to think that in Germany, if they're having an issue with Nazis, the the rule of the land would be if you see one, punch one. Mm. Well, in in Germany, the law of the land is if you see a Nazi, arrest them because any signs of overt Nazism are banned and considered hate speech. And a, a hate crime. So they get arrested for flag displays, for doing Nazi salutes, for doing anything that, that, that links them to fascism or far-rightism. However, when it comes to Spears, he's trying to say that the online world is ripe for a, a, a unification of, of all of these kind of far-right movements from the United States and abroad. And he's calling it a social network called The Base. Now... <sighs> Here's the thing. There's secure chat rooms and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And, and, and in them, and I talked about this story before, when it comes to Donald Trump supporters, they go to one little corner of the Internet 
and they never try to verify that information. They never search outside of their four or five little pro whatever their idea stories are. And when it comes to the base, this is an entire ecosystem built in a social network around the idea that racism, fascism, and all these bad things that we're seeing rise up are actually good things, and it should be more of a worldwide movement. And Ron, would it surprise you that these guys call for quote-unquote direct action against minority groups, especially when it comes to black Americans and Jews? <sighs> The more things change, the more they stay the same, and I'm not – I mean, I, I, now, are the Proud Boys affiliated with these people at all? Well, see, that's just it. This is a group that wants to link organizations like the Proud Boys up with Aryan Knights and with other organizations around the world that also believe in far-right ideals. Now, to that end, you know that nationalism is – it's kind of cult-like, isn't it, Ron? Yeah, it really is, especially when your own president talks about how much of a nationalist he is. Yeah, and that is dog-whistling, by the way. Nationalist is the same thing as, let's just be honest, racist. Okay, when it comes to this group, though, the base seeks to totally indoctrinate people. It has an extensive online library. Uh, there's manuals with, you know, how to do terror tactics, how to make guns and gunsmithing, how to go online and data mine stuff and, and, and to extract information from people through interrogation, counter surveillance, bomb making, chemical weapons, guerrilla warfare, you name it. If there is a site that advocates for the total dissolution of, of democracy as we know it, the base is it. But it also has, believe it or not, Ron, a little bit of a vetting process. Well, of course, you don't want a Black Klansman situation to happen. No, but they, 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 they've said this very clearly. Members of the base want to recruit applicants with military and explosive backgrounds exclusively. And in addition to homemade bombs, they also, you know, are basically out there trying to find the unexploded World War II ordnance around the world to make more, and more powerful, improvised explosive devices. <sighs> I, I, were we ever okay? Were we ever? Because this is just... A, you know, and I, I gotta apologize, first off, to Chris. You know, Chris Bass. Yeah. Because we're saying the word base an awful lot associated with a horrible, horrible thing. And Chris is the farthest from farthest thing from a horrible, horrible thing, despite living in Chicago. Oh, but that's come not, on. That's a regional thing. That's a regional thing. Yeah. That's uh, not a that's not a, a personal thing. Um, I hate the fact that I have to pay to get into Illinois and then pay to get out. <laughs> it's like it's like paying to go dumpster diving. But um I just, uh, secondly, I just, I can't fathom my grandfather fought fascism. He, he risked his life to stop it from growing. And all those people who died in World War II, their sacrifices are now in vain because our own president is pretty okay with it. Yeah. Now, now keep in mind, here's the thing. When we're talking about the president's role in this, I want to jump over to a, a, another story that kind of details what you're talking about. Here's the thing. Not too long ago, 
it became very obvious, even to a guy like Roger Ailes, serial sexual uh, harasser and assaulter, and the uh, mastermind behind the Fox News empire. He had basically said, look, you got to keep Donald Trump and Fox News away from each other because they're going to form this weird marriage that nobody's going to be out, nobody is going to be down for, for long. And Ron, does it surprise you that now it looks like Democrats are going to try to um, break up the marriage between Fox News and the Trump White House? Well, they have to. Uh, I mean, you've got, I mean, it's, it's very clear where the Trump White House stands when it comes to people like uh, Acosta. You know, they've gone, they went out of their way and they showed doctored footage. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it says um, I had to get oxygen back into my brain because uh, the Trump White House has pulled it all out. But uh, there, there, this is I don't want to equate it to 1984 because it's it's going to take it's going to, you know, I don't want to sully good literature. I know, I know. But at the same time, it does the, the, this relationship between what Fox News reports and who they go to for their information has always been very, very loving and endearing to dear leader Trump, right? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. There is a 38-year-old House member. His name is Eric Swalwell. He's, he's from California. Lately, he's been starting to appear more and more on Fox News programming. Now, this is the thing. You know guys like Tucker Carlson and, and, and all of those Fox News hosts have no liberals on their show when they have their panels. Most of the time, Democrats and liberals kind of avoid it for good reason, right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly like sticking your hand in a blender with really long blades, and the person operating the blender says, don't worry, this won't hurt much, before they hit puree. I mean, that's what it's like if yeah. you're going into that arena. Let's just be honest. There's... There's more, less painful tortures. Yeah, and plus I love how Tucker Carlson went from, uh, from a bow tie to an actual tie, thinking it would make him look more respectable, and it only made him look like a a bigger uh, a bigger d bag. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: Swalwell went on his program, as well as other Fox News programs, and now he's encouraging other Democrats to do the same. And this is the reason why. Tell me if this is kind of a a smart assessment. If you are a part of, quote-unquote, the opposition idea, shouldn't you be represented when people are talking about your side? You'd think so. Well, typically, liberals and Democrats avoid going on Fox News, and Swalwell is saying the time for that is over because... Donald Trump, through his absolute dominance of the news cycle on Fox News, has a captive audience. But here's the strange thing. Ron, Democrats are starting to see that as an advantage. Why would you think that is? Well, because they can buy uh, ad time, perhaps. Like, they could pull a John Oliver. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, ha-ha. I, much like most people, I don't like pain when I calf. And this is the way the nuclear triad works. Okay, but (laughs) here's the thing. 
they're starting to see that this captive locked-in audience to Donald Trump, who is so dependent on Fox News for every bit of information that is out there about Trump, could actually be a good thing for Democrats to start inserting themselves in and changing the narrative of how Fox News presents him. In other words, Ron, this is kind of cool, go on the network in more and more increasing numbers, as Swalwell says, not to win every battle, but to win just enough of them to start changing the public mind. Would that work with Fox News's audience? I don't think so, um, because you mentioned with uh, with the base, they uh, they have to uh, you know uh, vet people and kind of uh, do a uh, um, you know brainwashing and stuff. It's not tough to brainwash dummies. No, but at the same time, when you have a fully indoctrinated audience and you start introducing differing information, alternative facts, as Kellyanne Conway calls them. It will start, by and large, to have an effect. And if Democrats are starting to look at Fox News as a battleground for Donald Trump's audience, how long before Donald Trump gets really rattled at them? See, I don't know. I Because uh, I don't think our president is much smarter than the people that he, uh, that he has as followers. You know, I, 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 that's that's why John Oliver was smart to do what he did. Yeah, yeah, but now keep in mind now, all of this doesn't come without some some consequences because when it comes to Swalwell's case, after a couple of appearances on the show, especially when he was on uh, Sean Hannity's show, this is the thing: he started receiving death threats and other kind of hate mail. But at the end of the day, he says this is a net gain. This is a positive. Because going into that arena, you can change the narrative and cloud this clear message of Trump being the perfect leader. You can cloud that message enough to have a real impact on reaching his base. And it seems like to me, I mean, and and correct me if I'm wrong, this is kind of like attacking a mountain as if you were an ant. Yeah, kind of. It's like going uh, up to uh, um, one of the few polar ice caps we have left with a claw hammer and just chiseling away at it. Yeah, it's going to be a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of effort. But here's the thing. If Democrats and liberals are persistent, Ron, do you see this working? I don't know, man. I I don't... uh, I mean, you can maybe maybe change some of the base's mind, but... When it comes down to it, like his base, not the base, or Chris base, or home base. Uh, anyway, no, uh, I, I can see you perhaps changing some of their minds, but in the end, it's what he does, whatever he wants to do. So changing his mind is going to be even harder. I mean, did you do you remember seeing that clip from Fox and Friends where he called in, and he was on the phone for almost 45 minutes with them, and at one point uh, they had to say. I think it was Steve Ducey had to say, um, uh, well, I'm sure you have a lot of stuff to do, Mr. President, as in a way to try and tell him, hey, look, we have other stuff to do. We can't just sit here talking to you. Mm, no, but he does regard them as kind of his personal uh, media arm. Yeah, I don't I uh, don't don't places like uh, North Korea, and China and stuff in South Saudi Arabia have 
you know, and and, and North Korea aren't they the ones with the uh, the state-run media? Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not something that is actually codified here. We don't have an actual state media yet, but yeah, for yeah, all yeah, intents yeah, and purposes, yeah. Fox News behaves like one. And by getting in at the ground level, Democrats, I think, could actually make kind of a sizable difference. But here's the thing, Ron, what if this plan doesn't go far enough? I, we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and figure out something. Well, I mean, at this point, I think Democrats should start believing in lizard people and showing up on InfoWars and then talking about the intricacies of the judicial system and the inevitable racial inequities that exist in. I think also that maybe they should talk about, hey, you know what? We question Obama's birth certificate, too. And then when they show up on a show like uh, what's his name? Michael something. Yeah. Uh, Michael uh, Mark Levine. Sorry. If they show up on one of his shows. As, yeah, Levine show, they show up there, then all of a sudden they start talking about the globalization thing really isn't that bad and how America being pro-immigration could actually have um, net gains in the economic sector. I'm Ron, I'm thinking that it's time for us to infiltrate every area possible. But turn the damn frogs gay! <laughs> and, and sit on that show and go, okay, but if those frogs are gay... Can they actually go to, well, public places without harassment? Let's say if the water's turning the frogs transgendered, can they use the right bathroom? Alex, these are questions that we really have to address. You see, everything is possible. And I'm saying that kudos to Swalwell for this kind of bold plan. What do you think? Uh, Something's got to be done. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, Ron, uh, we got to take a quick break here. Look, when we get back, uh, there's a couple of stories I want to cover. One, uh, let's talk a little bit about Trump being mad at Mitch McConnell again. Remember how they were all in this love fest not too long ago? Yeah, Yeah. that's over. Uh, We'll talk about TV reboots and how they're a little too wokish. Oh, and the new rule for Me Too on Wall Street. You're not going to like it. It's all coming up next on The Shaggy Jenkins Show. Welcome to 60 Second Civics, the daily podcast of the Center for Civic Education. I'm Mark Gage. Even before the Constitution was ratified in 1788, people disagreed over what powers the Constitution gives to Congress to promote the general welfare. The topic is still debated today. One question is whether the General Welfare Clause gives Congress the power to spend taxes on anything it pleases, or whether it refers only to spending on the enumerated powers listed in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1 of the Constitution. The Anti-Federalists were opponents of the ratification of the Constitution. Before its ratification, they argued that the general welfare provision of Article 1 gave Congress unlimited powers to legislate whatever they wished. 
The central government, they said, would be all-powerful and a dangerous threat to liberty. In response to the Anti-Federalist claim that the Constitution gave unlimited powers to Congress, James Madison argued that the powers delegated by the Constitution to Congress and the rest of the federal government are few and defined. Few and defined means that the Constitution does not give Congress the power to spend taxes on whatever it chooses, but limits its spending on the enumerated powers listed in the Constitution. Alexander Hamilton disagreed. He argued that the General Welfare Clause allowed Congress to tax and spend for the general welfare without being limited by the enumerated powers. That's all for today's podcast, 60 Second Civics, where civic education only takes a minute. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Get involved, get informed. This is the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Find stations across the United States, Spotify, Stitcher, the Patreon, well, Patreon.com. That's all the places that you can find us. Welcome back to our program. Now, if you did miss any first part, go to my website, shaggyjenkins.com. We put a new episode up there daily, so if you missed it here, go to the website and you can catch anything that you missed. Joining me, host of his own Pacifica radio show that, well, you can also catch as a podcast, but I'm going to let him give the details on that. He is stand-up comic, writer, director, host of the Ron Pertie program, Midwest correspondent, Ron Pertie. Yeah, that's me. Wow, so enthusiastic. Um, I'm, 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 if you listen to this week's episode, you'll, you'll find out why I feel like a broken individual. Ooh, good. Well, that's a way to get them to, to listen, right? Yeah, yeah. Just tell them I suffer from crippling depression. And by the way, if you want to find out why, you should get to my show, the Ron Pertie program. And then you'll find out why the MPAA is garbage. Yes. Well, Ron, let's talk a little bit about some of the garbage of the news week. Because here's the thing. When it comes to the relationship that our president has with the GOP, you wouldn't really describe that as anything other than straight garbage, right? Oh, yes. Hot garbage. Yeah, and, and, and from time to time, the hot garbage gets rained on, or maybe the weather outside or the winds change, and it looks less like the steaming mass of, of terribleness that it is. But at its heart, Ron, has Trump ever really warmed up to the traditional GOP? 
No, he's always tried to be like, I'm not a politician. I'm a businessman. Uh, who knows better how to run a country than a businessman? Um, maybe a politician. Mm, yeah, somebody that actually has some sort of civic or, you know, community duties. Maybe, I don't know, sometime in con- their life. Maybe a constitutional attorney. Yeah, or maybe an awareness that the Constitution is a thing. Um, yeah. But here's the we'll thing. Figure. Donald Trump famously turns on who should be his 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 number one and two guys. Now, Wednesday of this week, one of the guys that Donald Trump has attacked time and time again is going to be leaving. And that is, of course, Paul Ryan. Oh, Wisconsin's own. Yes, yes. And here's the thing about Paul Ryan. Here lately, he's been kind of speaking out a little bit more, meh, meh. When it comes to his disagreements with how things shook out. But, Ron, Paul Ryan never wanted to be Speaker of the House anyway, did he? I don't think so. I think he wanted to be president. Well, Mitch McConnell leaned into him hard and told him a long time ago, hey, I'm going to use your Catholic guilt against you. And, yeah, he became the Speaker. But he's always kind of enjoyed a a contentious relationship with the president. So knowing that Ryan is going to make his statement this week, do you think that he is going to have anything to say now that he is free and clear? Do you think he's going to take any last swipes at Donald Trump? I can only hope so. But even if he does, if he sees the writing on the wall with the house going to the Dems, uh, even if he sees that writing on the wall, I don't think he's going to... Uh, really go too far out of party lines. Okay, okay. Well, here's the thing. There's the other guy in the other part of the legislative branch that that, that isn't going anywhere. Why isn't he going anywhere? Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, yeah. Right. So now that Don doesn't have... Paul Ryan to pick on as head of the House, it, 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 is it any surprise that this week Donald Trump has started to turn his attacks once again against Mitch McConnell? Well, you got to have a punching bag, I suppose, and uh, who better to beat up than an elderly person that looks like uh, Droopy Dog had a stroke? I don't blame that. But look, This is the thing. When it comes to Mitch McConnell, he has been accused by Trump time and time and time again of of stalling. But hasn't McConnell also made public statements of saying, oh, we're not going to do what the president wants us to because it's a ludicrous idea. So I'm going to make sure that that doesn't get any floor time. See, that's the thing is they all have to get on the same page and they're not going to be able to get on the same page because everybody has their own agenda. Everybody has the own, their own outcome that they want to hit. And in the end, it's not going to help them fulfill their kind of uh, – what's the word I'm looking for here? Their, their uh, um, Machiavellian ideals. Um, whereas the Democrats have come to realize that, hey, we can't be infighting. We're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to do this together if we're going to win if we're going to stop the monster if we're gonna if we're gonna bring down Gojira we have to work together. Yeah, well, so okay, so here's the thing: Trump knows that that whole yelling at Mitch McConnell and like he did with the Obama thing, the Obamacare thing, and he says, "Hey, when it comes to repealing Obamacare, and I'm sorry, I called it that. Its actual name is the Affordable Care Act." 
and it used to have another part, which was called the Patient Protection Act. But the Affordable Care Act was one of those things that Trump wanted to get off the books. And when McConnell and his guys went to break, well, Trump famously tweeted at him and said, All right, get back to work, you punks, and make this thing happen. We saw that didn't happen. This time, though, Ron, there's a different law that's coming into play, and this has to do with the criminal justice system, specifically prison reforms. And Donald Trump is taking a different tactic with Mitch McConnell. What do you think it is? Uh, I don't know, but I would love to find out what you do to stroke out droopy dog. Okay, now here's the thing. If you're a person that, that, that is very simplistic in your thinking, in other words, you know that something is either positive or negative, and you get something positive or negative from every positive or negative that you do, if you think very simplistic like that, and you've tried attacking somebody and you didn't get your way, what if, when it comes to this bill, when it comes to actually reforming uh, a lot of stuff doing with the prison industry in the United States, Donald Trump has went radio silent, not even barely mentioning the thing in Twitter, and by and large, shouldering this on the, 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 the I, I don't want to say Bell palsy desk physique of Mitch McConnell, but... Why the hell not? Um, he wants to kind of saddle all of this on McConnell and not even speak out about it. It's almost like, and I'm just going to throw this out here, because according to Politico, they're saying that, according to their headline, this is like Donald Trump just laying off McConnell and say, well, there's my thoughts. Uh, whatever happens, happens. Coup. Uh. Yeah, I know. It's, it's heartbreaking. But here's the thing. When it comes to Donald Trump, and especially when it comes to prisons and, 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 and legal things, most of his conversation on Twitter has been about Mueller's investigation. So there's not a lot, despite the fact that the president famously had the meeting with Kanye West over this issue. This is a uh. bipartisan-supported bill. Donald Trump is staying radio silent, which is kind of a way of him saying... I don't like this, and I'm going to kill it. So I'm going to ask you, if you if you notice the pattern of Donald Trump and the way he behaves in the past, does this seem a little weird on a law that he supposedly championed that he doesn't seem to be talking a whole lot about anymore? Well, I don't think there is any pattern when it comes to Donald Trump. I think everything about him is chaotic, and, and anything could happen from any moment to the next. The only actually I take that back there is one pattern and it's male pattern baldness, but um don't look at me like that. I know, I know. You know my feelings. Uh, I know your feelings. I know I know and I know your your skull's feelings when it comes to hair too, so just relax. Oh there pretty boy. Just yeah. relax. All right. All right, just relax. Okay. All right, just calm down. But I've got a, I'm getting a bald spot too, so just relax. This is probably from doing this show. Um, it, it is. <laughs> aren't you glad when you go back to your program, it's actually stuff that you're not like, God, this is frustrating. Oh, wait a minute, uh, this episode was. Yeah, no, well, no. I mean, a lot of my stuff is pretty frustrating. I'm just like, oh, so 
uh, Lars von Trier made a movie, and he's getting in trouble for showing the director's cut two weeks before the theatrical release. Mm. How is that the MPAA's issue? Okay, yeah, I, I, and you know what? I, because here's the thing. With Trump and McConnell, it is not a Hollywood romance. But before we run out of time, I, I want to spend some time talking to you about this. We have to talk about Hollywood and not just the MPAA, but everybody's general attitude towards being woke in entertainment. Because, Ron, very interesting <sighs> stories are coming out around people's reaction to certain reboots and the embedded messages in those reboots actually turning people off. Has entertainment gotten too woke? Um, maybe. Uh, I... I'm a big fan of a cartoon on Netflix right now that is the opposite of Woke. Uh, perhaps you've heard of it. It's called F is for Family. Oh, yeah. The new season just dropped. And I, and I binged every second of it. That is South Park level comedy. Um, I, I, I Granted, it's not as satirical and, and not as on point as South Park because they have, you know, they're, they have a, a, a they're kind of... Um, uh, it's a it's a it's a set piece. It's it's in the seventies. You can't really do anything outside of that. Right. Um, but uh, and, you know, and that is far from being woke. You know, and and I love every second of it. Yeah, but at the same time, when it comes to other shows, and and, and here's the thing: one of the shows mentioned in the article that, that that got brought up about this whole subject. This comes from Wired. One of those subjects was one of my favorite shows, Doctor Who. Okay, I will say this: some of the new uh, stories are a little heavy-handed, um, like the Rosa Parks episode. It's like I am completely in agreement that she had a huge impact on race relations in our country, okay? But it's almost like they have to – see, I don't know how to say this without coming off as an uh, – as a uh, uh, I almost said something that I would have said on my old podcast. Yeah, um, let's not do that here. We're still yeah. on – we're on some family-friendly stations now. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's like, and I understand that she had a huge part of race relations uh, by being defiant and where she sat and everything. Um, but I think that a show like Doctor Who, while they need to deal with historical things, um, at times can get a little heavy-handed and really kind of you know uh, push things down each other's throat, uh, everybody's throat, as opposed to just being a fun show that people can enjoy. Well, see, that's just it. When Doctor Who was started back in the 1960s, 1963, yikes. Um, it Day was, after Kennedy was assassinated. Yeah, that was when it was debut. It was originally imagined as an actual romp through actual history with kind of like this whole Peabody and Sherman, hey, boy wonder, let's wonder, you know, let's find out yeah. here. Okay, so... That it, the, the show changed into, because fictionalized history is much more interesting than real history, it changed into the incarnation that we have now. But here's, here's something that I kind of want to bring up, okay? Ron, shows like, and, and let's talk about another show that's going to be coming out in January that's recently been accused of being a little 
heavy-handed when it comes to social commentary, Star Trek Discovery. Okay, that one's coming back out in January. But just like Doctor Who, back in its early days, they were always framed, correct me if I'm wrong, as fictional representations of something that was actually occurring in reality, allowing people to kind of understand social concepts. Right, and that's the thing, is it was, uh, it was kind of built like this subtle thing. Where it's like, if you look hard enough, you'll see the social commentary, but it's not right out in front of your face. It wasn't overt. Right, which is what I think that the show is kind of beginning to do. It's still enjoyable. I still like it. Don't get me wrong. But I, I think it might be getting a little too overt. That, that's what I was trying to say. It might be getting a little too overt when it comes to its uh, social commentary. Yeah, now when it comes to casting, some of the social commentary is, is is what's the questionable thing. Ghostbusters relaunch, what did people hate? Was it the story? Was it anything that had to do with anything other than the, the Ghostbusters now being women? Not really, because the initial backlash was right after the poster was released showing the new Ghostbusters. There wasn't a trailer or anything. Well, for 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 all intents, for for my my own edification here, uh, I thought that the story was crap, and that all four of those gals are super talented, and it would have been a better movie if they had a better script and a better director. Yeah, yeah. But, so, I know, I know. My my wife gets on me uh, from time to time about my obsession with Kate McKinnon, but God, she's funny. Yeah, but you know, she she doesn't like you like that, Shaggy. Oh, no, no, no. That's the whole reason why I can be like, Kate McKinnon is my comedy legend lady, uh, because there is no chance of anything. Okay. I, I did see a video of her and Nina Hartley, but we'll talk about that off the air. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Give me the way. Okay. Anyway, priority Shaggy, priority Shaggy. When certain roles, and, and let's go back to Doctor Who, are being recast with new kind of well, directions in as far as their casting is supposed to be some sort of dog whistle to a social cause. Is it any wonder that even though these shows have a long, long-standing uh, fan base, is it any wonder why this fan base is starting to go, okay, I get what you're trying to do, but that's, that's kind of cheesy and now you've just ruined the illusion of my entertainment? Uh, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, when it comes to the doctor being cast as a woman, uh, my response to that is, why wait this long? Thank you. I mean, why? It, it shouldn't. It's something that shouldn't have been. We shouldn't have had to wait for over fifty years to get a female doctor. Well, especially uh, since we knew all about Ramona. Oh, Ramona. Exactly. See, only the true fans know what I'm talking about. Oh, Ramona. Yeah. Ramona 1 or Ramona 2? Oh, oh, God, definitely 2. Oh, uh, Ramona. Okay, but getting back into what we're trying to illustrate here, even something like uh, a known, like in the, the universe of Doctor Who, it is known that genders can change between regenerations. When it actually happens, not only are you having a backlash from who you would expect, overprivileged, misogynistic white males, but you're having a backlash from people that are actually more progressive because they're going, okay, we get it, but why did you have to make this theme intrude on my show? 
Yeah, I, I think that happens with everything, though. I mean, uh, there was uh, the Green Lanterns, for an example. Um, they went and had, uh, they introduced a Muslim Green Lantern who converted to Christianity and he carried a gun. It's like, huh? What? Why? I don't, I, 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 Green Lantern was the one with the ring. I don't get it. Yeah, you don't need the gun. Uh, and then, okay, the big thing here, and this is where Comics Gate, and we've spoke about Comics Gate before. Oh yeah, they co- they come into play big with this, um, basically because they um, say, well, these people shouldn't be, uh, you know, uh, made gay and all that stuff. And, and for, for to be put very bluntly, I mean, if, if you're going to change a character just to change a character, then I, yeah, that's kind of kind of weird. But if you're going to put an actual story behind why something happened to this character to change them, you know, then fine, I'm all for it. Yeah, but I, don't just don't just just drop it out of nowhere. It's like remember Northstar? The oh Northstar? yes, from Marvel Comics yes. and member of Alpha Flight. Yes, out of nowhere. All right, everybody knew for the longest time that he was gay. That's fine. Nobody cared. You do you, man. You're Canadian. It's just part of your charm. Exactly. Poutine, Poutine and pi- oh stop yeah um, but anyway so they did something I think it was DC did you know they turned Alan Scott the first Green Lantern gay for no reason all right and so all of a sudden Marvel had to counter counteract that and North Star had a marriage in Central Park uh okay it's like it's it's like they're fighting for diversity yeah but okay now when when it comes to long-standing fans of certain franchises. Look, the thing is, is a lot of people accept that, hey, wouldn't it be great if these old stories, when they re- were rebooted, we have something a little bit more obvious? Uh, okay. Like, do you remember a song, what was it, Dobie McGillis? You remember that that, 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 that television show from the 1960s? Dobie Gillis, yes. Dobie I, Gillis. I remember, yes, yes. Do you remember one of the characters on there eventually ran for and, and held public office? I was not aware of that. Yeah. You remember Dobie's friend, the young lady? Yes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If you watch all of those shows, you'll kind of notice way, way back when that she was giving little dog whistles about acceptance of lesbians in mainstream society. You're going through this in your head, aren't you, right now? Because eventually she came out and ran for office as an out and proud representative. Now, here's the thing. Ron, stories like that, Dobie Gillis, right? If you were going to update it today and you included her character in Modern Sensibilities, making her character gay in the show which was not allowed during the time then on television, but is allowed now, is actually a logical step, correct? Well, yeah, but that's just because the, the, the times they are changing. Right. But, on the other hand, when you're just trying to go for reactions, and, and here's an example. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, in its later seasons, was kind of tanking in the ratings, so they took Allison Hannigan's character of Willow... And all of a sudden, she became a full-fledged lesbian after being a long-standing and long-bemoaned heterosexual up to that point. 
Yeah, uh, her and Xander, or she had a thing for Xander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's not forget, she was also with uh, Seth Green's character, the werewolf Oz. Yep. But here's yep, the yep. thing. That was done to kind of, ooh, get a shock because of when Buffy the Vampire Slayer was on the air. And, of course, Josh Whedon took a lot of heat for that because it's like, really, you're going to dangle out a gay character on your show just for shock value so people will watch you? And and here's the thing, knowing what we know about Josh Whedon now, wouldn't you kind of say, yeah, that's exactly what people like him do? Yeah, he's a very progressive individual, and he he really puts uh, he really puts that foot forward in in the, in the stuff he makes. Yeah, but at the same time, when he does it, he is very much so his own biggest cheerleader of look how diverse I am, look how progressive I am. Yeah, yeah, I know, but that's the thing is I noticed notice that uh, with a lot of progressive uh, content creators, mm-hmm. they they're like, "Oh, look, I'm diverse," and it's Ooh. like you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to say it. You should just do it. Yeah. Well, before we run out of time, we got one more diversity story to bring up because I really wanted to talk to you with this one because me and you are not experts on any of these things, big money, no. or. Uh, how to socially interact in non-awkward ways. Look, Wall Street, who is also known for interacting socially in awkward ways, has a new rule for the Me Too error. Ron, want to take a stab at what it is? Avoid women completely. Right. As one wealth advisor put it, just hiring a woman these days is an actual unknown risk to your business. So, if you're in the business of money... You need to avoid hiring women. And here's the funny thing. It has an interesting nickname. Can you guess what that is? What is it? Well, here's the thing. Because <clears throat> when a guy took to television one time and told people that, oh, I can't even talk to women without my wife around me. I can't be left in a room alone with other women without my wife around. That's just un uncivil and and this started this whole fear based of oh my god men are going to be attacked in rooms when they're left alone with women it's called the pence effect the pence effect has Ah. hit wall street oh i'm getting a headache from all this oh come on now last little bit of the show because here's the thing It is a backlash, a male backlash against the Me Too movement. And it's kind of a way of saying, oh, well, if you want to be victims, we're victims, too. How likely are people to buy into this, though? Oh, I'm already off off the off the boat with this. I'm off the reservation. Here's the thing. Maybe we wouldn't need a Me Too movement if men treated women with respect uh, and they just treated them like they wanted to be treated. Yeah. Uh, uh, who 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 would have who would have thunk it? Yeah, I mean, God forbid, men. You have to hold yourself accountable for your actions. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing: with interviews of over thirty executives, they say that they are so spooked by the Me Too movement that across the board, hiring for women is down. Oh God, Ron! In ten seconds, how good is this for the country? Horrible. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. Okay, hey, uh, before we run out of time, where can people catch you and the Ron Pertee show? 
Uh, over at ron.world, it's uh, available every Monday, and uh, we're working at Pacifica Radio Network gig. Yeah. So uh, look for that there. Hey, for everybody else, thanks for joining us tomorrow. Oh, my God, we have got so much to cover. Until then, though, try to stay safe. Love you, mean it. Get in by.